Hey, Mom Spaghetti listeners, I featured Emanate's self titled EP in episode 26, Onward and Upward, and I'm playing one of the many highlights, Amen, underneath me now. Emanate, a talented artist originally from St. Louis and now living in LA, was nice enough to set aside some time and interview for the pod. I snuck a decent amount of snippets into episode 26, and since you're already here, you know this is the full interview. I love this interview as much as I love his music, and I hope you do too. Emanate mentioned he has a lot in store for us, and we're eagerly awaiting all of it to drop. With that being said, here's the full interview with rising star Emanate. Emanate, welcome to the Mom Spaghetti Podcast. What's happening, brother? Not much. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just in my studio right now. I don't know if you can see it. My little oasis, my sanctuary. That's a good looking studio. <laughs> Where the magic happens, they say, on MTV Cribs. <laughs> my magic is more so like annoying the fuck out of my neighbors all day. <laughs> Sorry for cursing mom and your mom. All the moms watching. Well, that's what LA is for, is pissing no. off the neighbors, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want to start off the interview with, I know you originally had your artist title as Brandon Burnett, and I had a few songs from what you were releasing back then, and you recently transitioned to Emanate, which is E-M-A-N-8. So I wanted to find out a little bit about what is entailed with that transition, why you felt inspired to make it, and I guess, was there a catalyst or some kind of event that happened where you just said, this is me moving forward? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. What a question packed with so many emotions and answers. I'll try not to ramble, but for the most part, Emanate comes from my middle name. It's a middle name. I have two middle names. One is my mom's dad and my uncle, my cousins is Robert. It's a very basic name. And then the other middle name is Emanate, which was passed down in my family on my Jamaican side. My biological father, he's part Jamaican. And uh, that's where my ethnicity comes in. And I didn't really have a, uh, you know, I call my my biological father like the sperm donor for real because it wasn't really part of my life from like two years on. And my sister and I spent one year with him when I was seven years old. I'll never forget learning about my heritage and meeting my dad for the first time at seven. And I had a stepdad who ended up adopting my sister and I. He became our legal father and raised us as his own. He was also an artist. So I didn't really feel like that huge missing thing with my dad, but it was cool, like, I grew up in St. Louis and before that I was in Houston and I was mixed race and people were always like, are you white? Are you black? Are you Hispanic? And so when I found that I was part Jamaican, I identified with something. I was like, you know, I'm mixed race and I'm not just black and I'm not just white, but I'm this kind of black and I'm this kind of white, Greek, Hungarian and Jamaican. So I remember thinking heritage was super important around seven. And then it wasn't until I turned eight, my mom and my stepdad got married. He adopted my sister and I, and so we changed our names to his last name. So I dropped the Emanate Folks. My name used to be Brandon Robert Emanate Folks, and then I dropped the Emanate Folks and just went by Brandon Robert Burnett. And so from eight years old on, I had this new name, kind of new persona, new identity. My father, I'll call him my father, my, my adoptive father. He was an artist coming off the Capitol, so he would expose me to music, and I really became an artist there, you know, in that seed, like probably eight to 13 is when I started writing my first songs. Started putting my music up as Brandon Burnett and everything and and ended up going to NYU and left NYU and got signed to Warner Brothers and did the deal as Brandon Burnett. And during that time, it was kind of like middle school and high school all over again. Being assigned to a major label, people are picking apart everything, you know what I mean? From how you look to how you dress to what kind of music you're making. And so I felt like 
I spent five years signed to this label trying to figure out, okay, what, who is Brandon Burnett? What sound does Brandon Burnett make? And I worked with all these hit makers and great producers and great songwriters, but I felt at the end of it, I didn't really know who I was. I didn't really know what my voice was. And I kind of, I spent a couple of years releasing independently after getting dropped. I'll be upfront. They just dropped me and I was depressed and I started releasing my music. So what year did you, what year was that? That was in 2015, so about four years. Yep. So I started producing and started finding my voice through my sound first. Like what kind of sounds did I like to hear? What kind of drums do I like to hear? What kind of instrumentation? And so I started going back to my roots. This is all building up to Emanate. So you mentioned the last couple songs from Brandon Burnett, like Run and Hands Down. These were me figuring out that, okay, I want to do more hip hop and I want to fuse my Jamaican heritage and the music I heard in St. Louis and growing up in the church. And I have no labels and nobody's trying to say that I have to be like the next Bruno Mars or the next John Mayer or the next this or that, any extreme. I can kind of like throw these things together. And um, yeah, it really came down to, this was the big moment that decided I would change my name. I was doing a job, hosting job with AT&T uh, with my girlfriend and we were in Texas and my biological father was in Texas. So he decided he wanted to meet up with me after 20 years of not seeing this motherfucker. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> so I met up with him on an Easter Sunday and it was crazy. It was very emotional. You know, he had apologized for leaving and, you know, had kind of tried to make men's and it was crazy looking at this man who looks exactly like me, but he didn't raise me. It was like nature versus nurture, you know, and I was very grateful that I had my adoptive father, O'Brien, raise me because I had the seed of artistry planted in me. But it felt like a stage name. Being O'Brien's son, which is my adoptive dad, I felt like during Warner Brothers and like everything, it all felt very slick with that name. Like Brandon Burnett, I always felt like it sounded proper. I sounded like Very being a great politician. Yeah, poppy or an actor or an American Idol kind of name, right? And so I'll never forget toward the end of Warner Brothers, the people I was working with, the A&Rs, they would be like, you think that, you know, have you ever thought about going by a different name? And at first, my manager at the time was like, you're Brandon Burnett. You're always going to be Brandon Burnett. And my mom was like, you're always Brandon Burnett. Don't offend your dad, you know, but change your name. And so I was scared to find my own my own meaning, right? And then I met my dad, my biological father. We had so a conversation. So you only met him twice? Yeah, I've only spent two times with him. Yeah, twice. I guess he was in my life up until I was two, but I obviously didn't know him. And my right. sister, who was a little bit older, kind of knew him a little longer. But yeah, so this was a crazy experience. And he was telling me about the history of my great uncle and his father. And they actually started ska music in the 1960s. They had a group called the Folks Brothers. And that comes from my former last name, Folks. And so I found out, you know, my biological father had the same middle name. His father had the same middle name. And emanate, the word, means to come forth. And I felt like it dawned on me after I met him. Not like, daddy, like, I miss you. I'm going to make you proud. But more so like, you know, because I don't keep in touch with him now. And that was like a once in a lifetime thing. And we really connected. And I got a chance to forgive him and all this stuff, go through those emotions and everything. But I wanted to reclaim what was always mine. You know what I mean? Emanate is like underneath it all. If anything, the first time I said it out loud as my artist name, it was like a piece of my soul was actualized. Like you had changed your name when you were eight years old. I remember not wanting to change my name just because I loved, I just learned how to write my name and I was thinking like changing it, you know what I mean? Dropping Emanate folks and turning into a brunette. And I'm glad I went through that period because all of my siblings, they all have the same brunette last name and my legal name is Brandon Burnett. But as far as my artistry, 
as soon as I forgave my father and I reclaimed that name for myself and I leaned into my roots and like the type of music that I grew up listening to instead of the music that I thought other people wanted me to make, which is kind of what Brandon Burnett felt like, that's when everything changed. I felt like it was like a personality had just come inside that was always there. You know, that was like, it's okay to be your eight-year-old self again before you thought you had to be somebody else. So longest story ever, bro. But that's the deepness attached to it. No, I think that's really cool. It's like uh, you have this emotional significance attached to it. And I think it will resonate with a lot of the audience because I feel like we all have these experiences in life, whether it's something like meeting your birth father. There are a lot of times in life where we feel like I'm reconnecting with the person who I used to be. And the person who I used to be is the person who I really am. And I feel like when you do that, it's just kind of like a, I don't want to say life altering. I'm trying to think it's more of like a, like a lens shifting where you feel like you're seeing, yeah, it feels like you see your trajectory and you feel like now the dots have been connected in a line and you're like, this is who I was always supposed to be. It's like waking up and being born again, man. Yeah. Crazy. Emanate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you were saying that you're adoptive father o'brien yeah. he played ska no that so that's that's on my my father. uh jamaican side yeah okay. but my adoptive father o'brien i'll just call him my dad we'll call him my yep, dad yep, from yep. here on out because he raised me and that's my best friend he's my sensei he was signed to uh Capitol records in the 80s and he was on the show soul train his manager was this guy named don cornelius oh, wow. who created the show soul train and he had co-written a theme song from a period of time and gave me my first keyboard and stuff and he had gotten dropped from his label too and so when i was deciding to do this for real and try and get signed and do pop and all this stuff he was guiding me through each step telling me about the things he experienced and to make sure you find your money and sign proper deals and know what you're signing and stuff like that so without him i don't think i would have found music I was really into sports like basketball, soccer, football, and I wanted to be like – I think the only other cool thing aside from a musician, one-ups a musician is it's to a like – a podcaster. A podcaster. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you're a basketball star. Imagine that though. You're getting paid millions of dollars, you know what I'm saying? And like you're, you play a couple Just games. Just stay in and, peak yeah, physical shape. But you're living the life, homie. I wanted to go pro in basketball. That was my first thing. I stopped growing. I like hit six feet, stopped growing. And then I was playing football and I broke my wrist. And my dad was always encouraging me. He was always like, music is always here for you. But he's like, I'll support you, you know, because I was in St. Louis and there wasn't much else to want to be aside from, you know, a sports star or get married and have family. So it was really cool not being from there originally and kind of having my parents move there, you know, and my dad had this life in Hollywood and, you know, he moved out of it and moved away from it and we were kind of in the suburbs. And so he always dreamt big, you know I mean? He taught me to dream big. He was always just like, every time I play him a song, he'd be like, keep writing. He never tell me anything. If he liked it or anything, he's just like, write more, write more. So by the time I turned 17, I had like 80 songs written and I was graduating. I went to New York with 80 songs in my catalog. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you remember how old you were when you wrote your first complete song? Because I know you said you started writing music when you were eight, but do you remember your first full song? The first one was called Memories and it was for, and I always told the story like. That's so ironic. I know. (laughs) The first one. I told the story like it was for my sister. Like I wrote it for her because 
this is the type of kid I was growing up. I wrote all my music about girls that broke my heart or that I liked, right? Because I didn't know anything else. And then eventually I got a little older. I started writing about hair on my face and, you know, problems <laughs> I was going through and all this stuff. But initially it was about girls. So I wrote the song for this girl and then she broke up with me at the eighth grade dance, I'm pretty sure. And my sister is four years older than me. So she was graduating, going to NYU and I didn't have her graduation gift. And so I had started this song for this girl and then she broke my heart. So I was like, fuck her. I'm not finishing it for her. I don't have a gift for my sister. And it's called Memories. How perfect, right? <laughs> and so I was like, have that stupid stuff. Been through times that were rough. How we dance, just you and me. How you made me happy. Memories. And it could be easily about this girl, but I had flipped it for my sister. My sister was like, oh my God. So to this day, I think my sister still thinks that it's fully about her. <laughs> but it's half inspired by my first heartbreak, you know, which is so funny. But yeah, That's so 13, a great story. I was 13 years old, bro. It's crazy. And then from wow. there, I was like obsessed. I was literally like, wow, this felt really good to make people happy and also express myself. You know what I mean? Anything would happen to me instead of turning toward drugs or partying. I didn't have friends. I would just write about it. And it was like I'd play it back and be like, this is my way out. This is how I can get out of this life place and get to where I see. Well, props to you because I think you're well on your way. Hey, thank you. Of course. I like that song, Memories. I wish I could find it on Spotify. But <laughs> you're right. Maybe I'll bring it back one day. Yeah, right? Bring it back. Yeah. Your sister... I know you said she went to NYU. Does she also yeah. do music or what does she do? Yeah, she's incredible. She's the reason why I got into it straight up. She would do talent shows and sing and then do musical theater. And I pretty much, she was four years older. So I was always behind and everybody knew her when I got a little bit older. So everyone always knew her as a really, really amazing singer, this amazing actress and always doing performances. So when I got into high school, I had the choice between sports and musicals. I remember because they were around the same time and I got my first lead in a musical. So I did a musical and I was working with older kids that had known my sister and it felt like kind of a safe place to be creative. You know what I mean? And my sister literally, she went to NYU. She, she got in to the musical theater program. And so when I was graduating high school, I had no clue where I wanted to go except for where she went. I was like, I'll apply to these other schools. But I was like, I don't want to go there. I just want to go where my sister went. So I just applied to NYU strictly off of the one thing that my sister went there. So people will know me there when I go and stuff like that. It was so funny and so naive. I didn't know how hard it was to get into NYU and I had gotten in and my sister had graduated and I made the decision to leave early. And I had done that basically off my sister's experience. You know, my sister was working jobs. She was a few years ahead of me. So into my first semester, you know, she was working waiting tables and doing bartending jobs just to pay for her rent. And she couldn't even start paying for her loans. I figured this is going to be really hard. I had a full ride scholarship, but I still had to pay for books. I still had to pay for housing. I still had to pay for food meal plans. We were middle, low class. The one thing I learned from my sister, I talked to her before I left school. And she was kind of like, if I had that full ride scholarship, you know, I wish I could have just given it to her because she's still paying off debt. But she was like, I respect you for leaving and taking that risk because you didn't have to follow my footsteps to find your passion. And I was so glad that you followed. And I always felt like my baby brother, I'm so grateful that he feels like, you know, he wants to come where I'm going. But your path is different. And when she told me that, it was kind of like this... Okay, you know, I can 
I cannot be in the same place or I can go travel to LA. It's like she gave you her blessing. She gave me her blessing and kind of like, you know, she had always wanted to do it, but she had just never gotten into the recording process and writing with people. And she's an incredible, incredible talent. She works at the theater company now in Wilmington, a huge theater company with big, you know, Liza Minnelli's and Whoopi Goldberg's come through and my sister's putting their accommodations together and she's a part of the play scenes and stuff like that. But she's still making music now. But I think my dad and her, they have similar paths where they're so hyper creative, but life got in the way, you know, with some stuff like they either had to choose work or family life and stuff like that. And so they've kind of been my guides. Every time I've wanted to quit, my sister would remind me, remember how it started when you would just be in your room playing that first song for me. And like you saw me crying and then you started crying and that feeling that you had, you know what I mean? Or like when I'm stressing about money or bills or deals or chasing my money, my dad will call me and be like, you know, remember when we put up our songs on MySpace and we had a thousand people listening to us? And I was just like, and, and you know, like they're like, every time I would get in that LA industry mindset, they reminded me, you're blessed, bro. <laughs> you know, you're doing this. You're out here actually being a working musician. Like you are a success. So my sister, you know, one day, eventually, if I have a, my company, Home Planet Records really does take off the ground and I'm signing artists. There's a place for my whole family because they're brilliant. They know my sister's one of the best vocal producers. She's got an amazing background vocals. Like I want to bring her on tour with me one day and stuff like that. But I also want to be realistic. You know, I mean, I'm not going to be like, hey, quit your job and come on tour with me if I can't pay my sister what she's worth. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole vision for the future. But I would say my biggest inspiration to be an artist early on was my sister, Loretia. She was the one encouraging me. And then into my teens, when she left the house, my dad and my mom carrying my keyboard everywhere. They would tell me for a while, we didn't know what you were going to do. You know, you're going to be a video gamer. Are you going to be working? I think every parent has that. Yeah. They come in your room and you're just in your 10th hour of Halo. (laughs) And they're like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I got the longest answers, bro. Stop me anytime. No, let it run. I appreciate it. I was going to make a comment to you bringing your sister on tour. I like that idea because the tagline for Mom Spaghetti is everyone eats. It's like, no matter how high we get, we're bringing everyone with us because everyone eats. Bring the whole team that helped get you here, bro. Exactly. One of the things that is coming through in a few of your answers and also comes through a lot in your music is just this feeling of being grateful and being inspired. And I wanted to hear a little bit about where that comes from, if that's just an appreciation for life that you grew up with always, because I feel like I have a little bit of a similar attitude. Mm -hmm. One of my ideas in life is I truly believe in maybe not karma, but some idea of energy and that what you put out definitely comes back. And I feel like that's probably one of the reasons you've been so successful to this point. Mm. And I think it'll, you know, from one podcaster to (laughs) emanate, I think it's one of the reasons that you'll continue to be successful is, you know, you have these positive vibes and all this uplifting messaging. So I wanted to get an understanding of if you feel like that comes from somewhere in your upbringing or um, how you stay in that mental space, especially when I know you said you get in that LA industry state of mind sometimes oh man just great you got great questions bro and and it's so important to talk about these things i think because let me just try and be to the point about it all so 
I also ask yeah. a lot of questions. No. Every time I'm like, yo, I got one no, question. No, it perfect. always it's comes perfect. across as, here's my a, five point question. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of pieces to it. And I think it's it's great that you're touching on them because it's spectrum. You know, it's not just one side or the other. So, you know, I definitely go through my shit. I definitely have really, really depressed days. Just yesterday, literally yesterday, I woke up and I was so sad. I had no clue why. I sat on the couch all day and I watched some cheesy show on Netflix and I just like binge watched. watch? Yeah, it was called Designated Survivor. It was so stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, anyways, you know, I had I, I was had like, a down oh, please day. tell me you watch BoJack. <laughs> yeah, I know that's better though. But I, I just had a Definitely. down day, and I was sitting there, and I was like on my phone, looking up on my socials and looking up other people's stuff. And social media is like crazy thing. It's so beautiful. It's so incredible. Technology is amazing. But there was this period of time when we first got a hold of it, where it was like post everything great all the time. And it still is that way, like accomplishments, achievements, like did that party happen? And if you didn't post about it, you know what I mean? And all this mentality of likes and instant gratification. I remember a period of right before I decided to start Emanate and when I got dropped where I was really depressed and I made sad music and I resonated to a specific audience of people. It was the best, some of my um, really cult fans that have been supporting me. They're like my friends because I've been there for them. They've been there for me. And I've written about the sadder stuff. And I feel like in, as a whole, our nation and our generation is ultimately kind of like a little bit more disconnected, even though we're connected in other ways, but like we're sad. You know what I mean? Like our empathy has gone down and lots of people on prescription drugs. Not that there's anything wrong with them, but like lots of people on drugs one way or another. Alcoholism is crazy when you think about college. We're like training ourselves to be alcoholics. It's insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? And money is I do <laughs> is the biggest cause of lack of joy and it causes fights and pride and issues and relationships break up. So there's all these obstacles that keep us from being our human spirits ourselves with absolutely nothing. And so I had this awakening in April of last year, my girlfriend's dad passed away completely out of nowhere, dude. And we just come back. Yeah, it was the hardest thing. And this is kind of why when I talk about anything with emotion, there's a kind of like almost this sadness and that comes through my voice and I don't try to suppress that at all because it definitely that vibration comes out of my music now I remember this period of my girlfriend and her mom being so sad and lost and no desire to continue to move forward and it wasn't like I wanted to make something that wasn't how I felt but I wanted to start making music and speaking what I hoped to become and so instead of writing sad stuff and just purely resonating on that that vibe about losing people and darkness and sadness and blah, 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 I wanted to write the soundtrack to bring me out of it and bring other people from that point A to point B. And it doesn't mean to just like, like your dad's gone and then you'll be over it one day. There's no fucking way that you could ever change somebody like that but to be a soundtrack in that moment and help them manifest and say positive affirmations like if they're going to sing a lyric back i want them to sing something that helps bring them that makes them want to smile because they say when you smile you feel better and as shitty as that shit is when you're in the worst of your worst it really is a vibration and a frequency thing 
it was so hard, man. I had problems with my girl. I'd wake up depressed and crying and she'd wake up depressed and crying. And, you know, it was hard for us to play old songs and play shows. And Is she a musician too? She's a musician too. And she writes some of these songs with me. She's incredible. She co-wrote Grateful with me. She started, she was in the kitchen when I was making the beat and she started holding my little dog's arms. And she was like, I love you, little, little dude. I really love you. And I was like, Molly, I was like, come in here. That should be the hook. I love you I don't have much time lately to tell you You take my old pieces and you make them new Without me realizing it's happening And so I was like, sing that melody again? And then next thing you know, we're like spending the next 30 minutes writing Grateful. And... She was going through her time, you know? It wasn't and like... And you're like, hey, dinner's burning. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> no, she'd be like, hey, boy, dinner's burning. Go get it. <laughs> but it was really out of a survival that I became more optimistic because I was starting to notice how when you're sad, you're kind of like a repellent. Like people don't know what to do when you've lost somebody that oh, I'm so sorry and think they want to fix it. They're like, what can I do to make it better? And nothing is going to fix it. Right. And you don't want to pretend to be happy. It's like, hi, I'm doing good. But you're like crying on the inside. Like, no, go through your stuff. But then what I wanted to do was try to find a way to make uplifting music for people. Cause we all lose somebody and we all go through it. And whether you lose somebody young or lose somebody old or you, you die first, Somebody experiences what we've experienced. And so to try and capture the healing part after and not just the feeling during was so key and crucial to me doing this whole project because that's where I got inspired with music. In the church, the first time I ever saw people jumping around and crying and sweating and passing out and screaming at the top of their lungs was not for entertainment, not because Justin Bieber came into the room, but because they were praising to their faith and what they believed in. It was a healing. It was a communication between spirit and human body. That's why I decided to be a little more positive in my message. And, you know, I, I do have many things I could tell you about. Like there's a period we could talk about it even if you want later on. But there's a period when I was dropping out of school where I had some mental health stuff. You know, I was deciding between taking medications and trying to find other things and vices to fill that, that hole that I was feeling inside. And music was the only thing that brought me out of my dark places. You know what I mean? So I've written in the dark places and I think those are important too. And I think it's important to be honest, but I'm very conscious of the vibration I put out because a lot of kids are already getting this dark wave, like trap music in a nutshell, bro. It's angry and it's dark and it works. Kids are resonating because we're angry and we're dark and we're upset. And I don't want to be cheesy and preach to people, but I want to bring that transition sound, that feeling where people are like, they're emotional, but they're still dancing and they're in the club, but they're not there. Just let me get fucked up and have sex. They're more so like, let me encourage myself. I got a song on my new album called Real Woman that was inspired by my mom. It's at this temple where it's like a Drake song. It could be in the club. And the whole hook is like, you're a real woman, just like God made you. You know what I mean? And I want girls to be dancing in the mirror, that stuff, stretch marks and all. That kind of message versus like, yeah, she got a fat ass and she works on the pole and all those negative vibrations, those dark id, like lower beast kind of self. I'm trying to get to that third eye awaken, that life after life kind of mentality. Even if you don't believe in that, I want you to believe it when you hear my music, that there's something more 
And that's what's so, so beautiful. I, I don't want to push. I'm not a Christian artist or anything. I grew up Christian. But I think that my music has a sense of urgency. And what I'm trying to say is like, I want it to live longer than me. It's not so much about it being the biggest while I'm here. But it's about leaving something behind that somebody can find in a moment and be inspired by. You can't always inspire people just playing toward the pop radio, you know, what sounds catchy and clever. Sometimes you really got to break away and do something that may be uncomfortable for people at first. But maybe 20 years from now, somebody samples me. And then my my family's eaten for 100 years off of that. You know what I mean? No, I hear you. I think it's really cool what you're doing. And I feel like it's a pretty unique lane because I do think there's a lot of the I'm really sad music or I'm going to ignore my sadness music. Right. And I think I like or not. I think I I know I like the uplifting and positive message from your songs. Thank you. And I haven't heard the album yet, so I can't quote too many of them. Yeah. But I did want to talk a little bit about Inspired. I've already Mm -hmm. played it for the listeners of Mom Spaghetti and I'll play it again next week. Awesome. But I wanted to get some. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I wanted to get an understanding of what has you inspired because that's the hook right it yeah. says you got me inspired so yeah. is that molly is that yeah, yeah, yeah. mom is that some higher being yeah. i wanted to so that that's hear all- more about the inspiration for that we had played a show with this artist named lizzie land and she came over our house molly and i and we did a session with her and she had just quit her job and she was just like i don't know what i'm doing i don't I haven't made money for music yet, but I, I know that I can't split my time between a nine to five and chasing my dreams. So we really followed her lead with that inspiration. Like from there, I was like, that's what we got to write about. This is crazy. Like, and I ended up putting it out. So it was like, we're writing about this one moment that this artist brought into the room, but then we're finding a way to relate to it all. So we're writing the verses together. I don't have to know the answers every time. I don't have to feed the bad thoughts in my mind. Basically, like I said, that realization that I do have the sad days and this was kind of made on one of those sad days, but like knowing that yearning is how I know I'm alive and I just want to feel good. That whole message of just not wanting to fucking, sorry, I keep cursing, not wanting to have to- <laughs> Mom, not, 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 the meatloaf. I know, not wanting to have to worry about money for a month. Imagining what it would be like for a second if you just had a place to stay and a studio and a mic and you could just do your creativity and be inspired. And I've been blessed to live that life for the last 10 years, but to work with somebody who was just taking that risk and coming to that, it was such a crucial place to be with another artist because I wanted to show her too. You made this risk, you showed up in my studio, you connected with me, I'm damn near in tears collaborating with you about your story and this, you know, we're writing the song and I'm gonna put it out. I'm gonna show you what it's like your first day in, coming out the gate, you know what I mean? And I literally, as I'm writing this song, I'm feeling these feelings like, I hope that this song reaches her five years before she decided to quit her job, where she's like, some young artist puts it on and they go, wow, man, I know I don't have to feel bad for being unhappy at this job, but maybe I do want more. Maybe I wanna feel good. That whole discovery of you have a dream and you have a passion, and you got to go for it. That's what that song was for me. It's kind of like telling myself at the end of that too, reminding myself what a blessing it is to even be chasing the world. Why do I want the world? Why do I settle for less? I love that lyric. I'm always like, chasing why do the I check. Want... Why do I get so obsessed? <laughs> yes, exactly. Why do I want the 
Why do I settle for less? I'm always chasing the check. Why do I get so obsessed? I need to give me some rest. It's time to put this to bed. I've overcome much worse. I'm ready for what's ahead. Yo, those are the lyrics that I wrote yeah. down that I wanted to highlight and say yeah. that was yeah. my favorite part of the song. So I'm pumped that that was what you recited. Perfect. Yeah. Right. And then do you consider it to be a direct cutoff between Brandon Burnett and Emanate? Because I felt yeah. like once I found out that you were Brandon Burnett, which I yeah. only figured out a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. I went back and listened to Run, Yeah, which I think came out after Hands Down, because Hands Down is yes. really poppy. Yeah, 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 but exactly. Run a little less so. I felt like Run sort of runs into yeah, Emanate. exactly. It could have been. That was at the point where I was deciding all of this, but I had I hadn't figured out the logistics of how to create a new project and get my whole team on board to like launch something new, you know, in the middle of finally getting some traction, you know, to start over was essentially insane. Uh, <laughs> but I think you'll see and with this album, the one that comes out in a couple hours now, a lot of it was made like a year, year ago, and some of them were made a few months ago. The next project after this is like, this is like a transition record. There's eight songs here that still have that same, I love hooks. I love writing pop and soul hooks, like where like a choir, I can hear a choir singing. I'm such a sucker for hooks, so Me I'm too, glad dude. that you like them. <laughs> like, go fully, maybe I'll have a song or two or jump on some songs where I'm doing full raps and stuff like that. But I think whereas the sound is starting to shift, you'll hear the first album and you'll tell me what you think. But the next music that comes out after this is so... It's exactly what I want to make. And this was me still discovering who Emanate is, which is beautiful because I still have the electronic and the R&B influences. And most of my fans who are listening to Brandon Burnett will still appreciate this. And that's kind of why I designed this record to come out like this is I wanted to transition my fans slowly because I I don't want to leave anybody behind. And I also know that I only have a small amount of fans. I'm not even trying to get the world, but I know that by going more in a little more of a hip hop lane and kind of opening up the palette of music and sounds and live elements, I know that it reaches a broad broader audience now it's not so young kids only you know what i mean like i'm finding a lot of people in europe and a lot of people my age and, and their college scene that are finding this type of music and latching onto it in a way that doesn't make me feel like i'm a gimmick you know what i mean it doesn't make me feel like i gotta go and have to be you know on a halsey song next just to finally make it I want my artistry and my sound now to feel like it can cross many genres and i think run was starting to do that And 1999, right after that, was kind of like the next step where I tagged both Brandon Burnett and Emanate on the same track. And that was my first launch. And people were confused. They were like, is Emanate the rapper on this? Is he the producer on this? I was like, no, it's me, guys. And they were like, what? Like, it's your see, boy. <laughs> you'll see. I'm very excited because these records are telling a story now. And I feel like I was kind of shooting off the hip. And Run was my story about leaving NYU and deciding to chase my dreams and getting signed and then that not working out and then going independent. It was kind of like the five years of Warner Brothers in a nutshell. I'm feeling like I had to start my career somewhere. I felt really proud about that record as far as creating a shift in what people expected from me. But it still wasn't as it wasn't far enough. I felt like I was still being safe, I guess, you know what I mean? In the way I wrote my music and how I produced my music. And as soon as I gave it a new name, not a new name, an old name, my older name, I felt freedom 
to be a mixed race kid from St. Louis and not have to be black and white to anybody, black or white or pop Brandon or electronic Brandon or hip hop Brandon or R&B Brandon. It was like Emanate is all of these things. I think that's really freeing. Like you said, you were looking for freedom. And I love talking to artists like you and using the music that you create as almost like I don't want to say like a microcosm because it's yeah. it's almost bigger than you, right? But yeah, it's yeah, like sure. this piece of you that is you in a nutshell. And yeah. so I think one of the questions I ask all the time on the podcast is what genre is this? Yeah. Because I feel like we're getting to a point in music where, and I th- am so thankful to be alive in this period of music because I feel like we're fusing everything. Yeah. And it's so cool that Drake will bring in the Caribbean stuff and then it flows over to the EDM side. And then he's on some have... flat beats and yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's all like turning into one. And I just yeah. feel like music has always been the great unifier. Yeah. And now, you know, there's always going to be pockets and different parts of music that you ascribe to but i just think it's cool when someone like you emanate is putting all these different genres and different sounds and making them flow together as one yeah i've always called that sound progressive soul because it's very rooted in the soul like the old soul music it's evolved a little more because i'm doing way more hip-hop you know they say progressive rock and progressive house and all these different things imagine progressive hip-hop dude when I think of progressive hip hop, I think of Chance the Rapper, Smino. I think of Outkast. I think of freaking Wu Tang Clan. I think of Brockhampton. I think of Earth Gang. I think of this. Brockhampton's whole, a good one. Yeah. yeah. I think of this whole league of people who are the and Anderson Pac too. Anderson I throw Pac in there. Is a, he's a pioneer, you know. Because yes. oh, that man, that man has got soul. I feel blessed to be in this school of music. You know what I mean? Even John Bellion is kind of one of my, he's on the popper side, but he's one of my first producers that I ever worked with who produces his own stuff, kind of like a Timbaland or Pharrell. He writes for other people. He wrote the monster Rihanna and Eminem and all this stuff. He can. Oh, did he? Yeah. He can jump into like a track with his homies where he's just dropping bar after bar after bar. And then he'll do a song that sounds like freaking Owl Cities, like 10 million. Did you like his song from last week? I love that song, dude. Crop Circles. Yes. Oh, it's so good. So I, the good. beat is amazing. And you see how he breaks down the beat. He's coming from Yeah, he posted school. that video on Instagram. He's Did you see it? School of music that's so expressive and flow and stream of consciousness and like attention to detail, but like there's nothing industry to that type of music. And that's why I want this project to feel I want it to feel like its own life form. Not just me, even just people who are trying to do something different. I think it's really important. I'll just speak to the audience here real quick. Labels, preach. not like record labels, but labels, the stuff that people place upon you and like genres and all these things. We're obviously seeing that they're falling and they're breaking away. It's not so black and white. It's not left side and right side anymore. There's this whole spectrum of everything in the middle. It's like there's not just rich and poor. There is a middle freaking class. And we're all in it, which is basically like unless you're rich, you're hustling to make it. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. (laughs) So it's that same thing with creatives right now. I think that there's so much out there and there's so much to be inspired by. And the reason why young kids are succeeding too is they can look in the past now and get the Tupacs and get the Wu-Tangs and get the early run DMCs, or they can get into grunge and Nirvana. And that's why you have some of this punk trap music coming out because people are discovering so much more. Even with Lil Nas X, you know, with the, with the, the country hip hop, you know what I mean? Like there's no lines anymore. And I think that it's a beautiful thing 
because that's a reflection of where we're reaching as like a generation of, of people with, and I don't want to play too much on this because I got family that support too on the other side, but you know, we have Donald Trump as our president. So that tells you a lot about where we're all at as, as a creative society now. There's going to be a lot of stuff to say over the next five, 10 years of the effects of all the things that are happening around us. And, you know, we're having kids and our generation after that is having kids. This is where legends and new artists and movements and technological revolutions. And this is where Plato's and Socrates come around when the world is at a crux and there's so much crap going on. We've been told there's only one way to do things. And we, 50 years ago, we had slavery. I think I'll, I'll, I think I'll I'll drop hints of it here and there in my songs, and I'll talk about it. But I want to be careful not to spread hate. That's my biggest thing. There's an easy way to go from having an opinion to like shaming somebody else's opinion. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. No, I I hear you. Yeah, but I think it's an important time for people like waking up to realize there's not just one way. Even take somebody like Donald Trump becoming president. You don't just have to be a freaking politician to become president. So it's like, you don't just have to be a cookie cutter to get on the radio. You know what I mean? You don't just have Eminate to be- for president. Yeah, yeah please. <laughs> thing. Anything other than the orange man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, you want to know a crazy side story? Oh, I'm always down My for a side story. My biological father was on The Apprentice in 2008. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Really? In the first time he tried to reach out to me, I was 18 years old and I- like my uh, grandma, my mom were like, yeah, apparently he's on some TV show and he wants to brag about it and stuff. So I saw what show it was. I already had my opinions about Donald Trump then. And so my real dad was on that show. That's wild. And it's crazy to me because he, he doesn't support him, you know, and all this stuff. But it's crazy to me. I'm like, why am I an artist? Like, why? Why is my story the way it is? And why am I trying to make not like a modern gospel kind of music? Why am I trying to make uplifting, positive music that helps people? I feel like the biggest thing I could do, aside from trying to jump into politics, is to have a voice for kids that don't have a voice. And so for every person that feels like they don't have a place because of something, I just want, if they do hear my music, for them to feel understood and feel comfortable in their skin and feel like it's not a race thing, it's not an age thing, it's not a status thing, it's a people thing. So I think that's really important when you're talking about all these things like genres and politics. These are all divisive things that we have, you know what I mean, that like divide us. And the unity in it all is that anything is possible. Even the worst case scenario is possible. With that being said, Chance the Rappers who are like, he's doing his first single ever on iTunes, Apple Music. He just did it or something like Groceries was his first single. And how long has he been dropping music, free music, building his stuff, changing the game for independent artists to realize you don't have to sell out. You don't need a major. You can build a following. You can have big collabs and Childish Gambino can take you on your first tour. Like Glover took him on his first tour. Like that's bananas to me. So I think it's a beautiful thing. It's one of the best times to be alive. And I think it's also one of the scariest times to be alive. And it's super exciting to kind of be in a space with music where there's no rules whatsoever. Yeah, well, you talk about the youth and them blurring the lines even more than we have and all this stuff. And I just think with the advent of the internet and, you know, I'm big on Twitter and the people who are even five years younger than me on Twitter, or maybe 10, but even five, they're so much better at the internet, not even just Twitter, but they're so much better at 
the internet than I could ever even think to be. Seriously. I'm like, I can barely figure out how to make this podcast. Yeah. You guys are dubbing audio over a Damian Lillard shot and how putting Kanye possible? West runaway. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what app do I have to download to do this? It's true, it's true, man. So the youth, man, the youth has it. We did too. We grew up in this. We grew up with Twitter, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, literally in our generation. So it's pretty wild. Yeah, and MySpace was the start of it all. Oh God, that, that was like the that's, first time that's pretty music much how I got signed was like them looking at my MySpace and seeing that I had some fans and followers. I would just follow fans every day of the top unsigned artists. I would go and message their fans and go, "Hey, I saw you like this person. Would you like me?" <laughs> and then some of my like first hardcore fans. Away. Damn, that's really impressive. Yeah, Eminate. I wanted to find out who you listen to right now. Yeah. When you aren't writing your own music or trying to figure out a melody in your head, what are you listening to? There's this amazing R&B superstar right now coming up named Lucky Day. He's incredible. Oh, yeah. I saw, uh, I got to find it, but I went and listened. I think he dropped an EP. Yeah, he dropped it. Like something two weeks ago. Yeah, he's one of my favorite favorite up-and-coming voices and then earth gang is another one that's probably my favorite duo they're on tour with this guy named smino who's from st louis you know john bellion i listen to everything john drops i have these two favorite playlists on spotify called lo-fi beats and then lush Mm -hmm. lush vibes it's not lush vibes they changed it lush lo-fi lo-fi beats and lush lo-fi oh my god anytime i got writer's block or anything or if i just want to put on music like people are coming by you know what i mean like my girl and i are Having a little date night, I'll throw on like these little, they're like hip hop 90s beats that are just like with jazz flips to them and stuff like that. So I really, I just love music, man. I'll listen to anytime there's a rap album come out, I'll listen to it every single track through because I like to listen to cohesive products still. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Oh, always. Tyler, the creator's record was fire. Igor. I was a big Kanye West fan early on. I still like some stuff he does now. I just, it's a little bit different for me. Like nothing will beat late demonstration, graduation. You know what I mean? Like all those early ones. 100%. So I'm a hip hop head primarily. I like it. And then I have a couple bands, indie bands. My girl and I like local natives and there's this kid. Oh, I like local natives. I featured them before. Yeah, they're incredible. They're from Silver Lake. Oh, really? Yeah, they they live out here. But yeah, man, I love music. I'm literally listening to music when I'm not making it. Like, I can't imagine not being a fan of it. I go through periods where I won't listen to the radio, though. I can't listen to the radio. When they start playing a song over and over and there's so much good music out there, I'm just like, we need to have a radio station that's all new music all day. You know what I mean? Because there's so many good records. I want five Frank Ocean songs on the radio, but you never catch them on on 102.7. No, never. And that's some of the feedback I've gotten about the podcast is that's why people like it is because the radio misses. Not only do they miss it, but it seems like 90% of the good songs they either miss completely or they just miss it for months. Yeah, they get to it late. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, so I'm telling you, I never listen to the radio. Yeah. I have Bluetooth everywhere I go or headphones. And I featured, do you know that pop song, Don't Call Me Up by Mabel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's huge. You hear it everywhere in Europe. It's crazy. Dude, I featured that. So I didn't even know because I was in your neck of the woods. I was in Kansas City. Oh, crap. And uh, yeah. (laughs) And I was driving around in Kansas City for work and I didn't have Bluetooth. So I was just listening to the radio and I heard Don't Call Me Up. And I was like, this song's on the radio? 
Yeah. I featured this on the podcast back when I was having glitches. Right. So right. I went and I looked at when it joined the top 100 on Billboard and it joined in like the end of March. And then Easy. I went and looked into my archives. I was like, I featured this in January. The radio is so slow. I can't yeah, listen to that shit. I know, I know. <laughs> That's the thing. It just costs money. You either got to have a crazy story or writing hits for other people or featured on a big artist. Take a look at somebody like BB Rexa. She's been in the game forever, and she recently ever she recently got on with Meant to Be, and then Me Myself and I, and now she's finally getting her own chance to put out her singles without being on features and and have them be on the radio. So it's definitely like an end goal for a lot of people, and I think radio is that's the thing where your numbers, your streams, your fans, you sell arenas after radio. But a right. lot of people think about that first, especially record labels. Is like every artist has to be a radio act. And they forget that the crucial development period of like, let them find their sound. Like if you try and have a song that sounds like Drake or sounds like Jason Derulo, they're already on the radio. Right. If you're a new artist and you're coming to radio with a song that sounds like them, they're already playing that artist on the radio. So it's that competitive that I feel like most people try and do what's already been done instead of creating those anomalies, those random songs that creep through. Not everyone's going to be like a Billie Eilish who's 17 years old and her brother's producing her stuff and she's did it without being on the radio and now is finally on the radio. Like not everyone's going to have that story attached to them that makes it go. I think her parents are in the industry. Oh, really? I think so. Or they were actors or something. Like they exist in yeah. LA. They got it down. That girl, when she's our age. Oh man, I know. Heck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the quotes that stuck with me, because sometimes I do album reviews when an yeah. album that I think is important or big enough drops. And when I was listening to the Khalid album that dropped, yeah. I read a quote from him that I thought was really interesting for artists. He said, you have your whole life to write your first album. Yeah. And then you get signed. Yeah. And then your record label says, we need an album by this date. Yeah. And I it's know. like, you had all the time and all the freedom yeah. to write your first album. And then all the pressure just comes after. Yeah. And I think what he's playing to in that is, you know, like, remember when I said I went to NYU, I had 80 songs. And then when I got signed, I had like 150. And there were like 12 of them that they loved. And then everybody wants to be a part of it and, you know, work with this producer and work with this co-writer. And so probably I can't speak to it because I don't know Khalid personally, but probably what he's saying is then you have to make that record. Right. It's not just you unless you go in with that record done you know i'm signing the deal and these are the 10 songs coming out a lot of it's a collaborative effort it's we have this great hook but the beat isn't great so now we need to get a great producer to make the beat and now we need to get a feature on this and so some things get lost in the shuffle in that way the raw talent that was there can get easily over dissected and the process can take longer but yeah i feel that way too it's like how do you condense what you want to say on your first go out into being everything that you want it to be you know especially if a song's made a year ago and then you're making you made 20 new songs in the last month and you want to throw them all on there so that's the funny thing about this album is half of it was done recently and it was just like it has to go i'm pretty sure all of the singles aside from amen were chosen to be singles and put on the album like I had a whole nother album that was done and going to come out. And then I was like, I'm going to replace these four songs with these four songs. You know what I mean? It was like. So this one coming out tonight, does that have IOU yes. and Inspired? Yes, it does. Exactly. Both of those? And okay. those were all singles that were. And Grateful? Yep. And those were all singles okay. that made last, not last minute, but felt like missing links to the sound that I wanted to come out with, which is kind of like that feel good, you know, soulful, live kind of feel. 
It's interesting. Yeah, it takes your whole life to make that first record, but then putting out the right one. <laughs> it's like, that's the right. thing, you know. And obviously, Khalid got it right. So that's the best part. Oh, yeah. So we're getting four new tracks tonight. Yes, four new tracks tonight. Hell yeah. And then when does the next one, because I know you said you have two yeah. projects basically locked in your desk drawer. I got a single coming out three weeks after my album with... Oh, wow. Yeah. Dude, you're on a roll. I know. And then after that, I have a couple features. I got a, another song with my buddy who I did Hands Down With, a song coming out on Big Beat with him. Is that Dwilly? Yeah, Dwilly. And then the second album will be out before this year is over. If we can lock down the partner and distribution, because we're just starting to show the music to people and stuff, I've been doing it all independently and I'm willing to again. I just want to give the music a shot. If there's somebody who's like, I'm so excited about this, like I have to work with you. I would love that. So we're sorting that out over the next few months and probably another eight song project. I'd say definitely before the winter. Yeah, makes sense. I know you said you have a feature coming out with Dwilly and maybe some other folks and you've worked with John Bellion before. And you can repeat John Bellion if you want, but one of the questions I'm always curious is, who would you love to collaborate with? And in your mind, you're like, man, if I collaborated with this person, I'm not going to be done with music, but I would be pretty pumped about my career. I have a couple producers that I really, really want to work with. One of them being Pharrell would be like a bucket list goal. I had an opportunity to meet him and possibly join I Am Other, his label. My old manager at the time totally tanked that meeting and that opportunity. So I'm just thinking in my head, now that I'm where I'm at, if just being in the studio and just being able to absorb a producer and an artist like that, somebody who is doing, and you know what? I'd take that one step further. Pharrell for production, but I'd say... Childish Gambino for GOAT goals, like who I want to be. I want to do movies. I want to produce my own shows. I want to have fashion lines. I want to act in some goofy shit. That's the archetype of somebody who is a part of the culture so much and does it for the passion of it. He only blew up with This Is America recently, but he's been going forever. And he's kind of like my favorite artist, I'd say, in the entire game with the way that he can express himself, be a little political, but also Golden Globe, Academy Award, Oscar type of guy. And collaborate with major artists, jump on a song, do a song with Chance or do a song with DJ Khaled and do a movie with Rihanna. Like that type of collaborator just to soak those minds in. Like how, how do people always tell me you got to focus on one thing, focus on being a songwriter, focus on being an artist or focus on being an actor. And I'm like, you're like, don't you know, we're blurring the lines of the genres just so that I can blur the lines of everything that I do. It's possible to be anything you want to be. I'm never going to be that if I just focus on one, I don't think. You know what I mean? I'm only ever meant to be that creative, ambition-driven guy that's shooting for the moon because it's my one life. And like I said, I might not even be able to reap the benefits at the end of this journey. I may be building something beyond me. And that is more exciting than building something that I can see right now. I'm thinking about naming the second album 2020 Vision because it's 2020, I feel like, is just a crazy important year. And also like to be able to see, have this perfect vision and see something that other people might not be able to see yet. That's cool. You're actually the second artist I've talked to who said that Childish Gambino is on their collaboration list. (laughs) (laughs) I always like to ask too, I mean, I haven't seen any of your live stuff, but I always ask because I think it's cool. You know, the same way I ask, who are you listening to? You know, I always want to know, like, the people that I listen to, who are they listening to? Yeah. For when you've 
I'm sure you've seen a ton of shows at this point. Yeah. Do you have like a best live performance you've ever seen? And you think to yourself, like, that was the best show I've been to. And if I can emulate some of that performance, I would love to. It's not going to be a popular answer because it just happened recently. The only thing I thought about. So I shoot my music videos in Tri-Cities, Washington, Tri-Cities area. It's like right outside of Seattle a little bit. And Mm -hmm. music video director, he works with all these amazing, talented rappers. And they all have this little crew and they put on these shows and they build sets. The last show that they did was called Jungle Island. They built a set and they had skits and it was in an area of Washington where like the audience is mainly mixed artists and stuff like that. But the audience is like white kids who love hip hop and they just want to come together and experience good music. And it was the coolest experience that I had because it wasn't just a show. It was like an event where like to have skits and different artists hopping on and off and just the energy in the room. I'd never seen. And I guess that was like my first true hip hop show, like being a part of it because I played a couple songs, too. And one of my tracks didn't work right. So I just I spit this one acapella song for the audience. I had them clapping and everything. And just to see the, which one was it? You know, it was, Is it coming out tonight or no, it's not coming out tonight. It was some new stuff. It was a, OK. It's a song called Father Figures where it's like it goes, young boy, take your finger off the trigger. Push the anger down, shit only get bigger. Pop's not home, be your own father figure. Live your life, nothing like that. <laughs> and then it goes, tell me why I hate you when I'm songs. My mind is like a prison way I'm fighting these bars. I really hope you're happy now wherever you are. Friendly fires back home, I should ring the alarm. So it was like a flow where I was just going off. And I never had that experience with an audience. Like, no beat, no hook, nothing. And it was only because I had watched the guys performing right before me, the whole show that was going on. And they were just out there hopping around and they got a kid on stage pop locking and the whole crowd is going nuts and they're crowd surfing. And I was like, holy crap, I need to step my L.A. performing ass up like with the piano, like, girl, you know, what I mean, like it's all <laughs> energy. It was a mixture of church, spiritual healing and entertainment. And that was fire. That was the first time I had ever seen a room full of people have so much fun, but not have to be like, it wasn't, it was almost like it was about the artist, but it was about the audience. That interchange between they had the respect for the artist performing and we curated a good time for them. So that show changed my life. It made me excited to play to more crowds like that, where people are wanting to enjoy themselves, but also eager to hear a message. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Were there any The names of the artists you want to tell them? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the headliner was Carmen Nose. He's on tour right now with Tech Nine, which is nuts. And then there was a dude named Top, because I am Top. And then this girl named Yell. And then Nobi and Slim Rick, Django. Like, it's a crew. You know what I mean? It sounds like I'm talking about the next Wu Tang clan. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> it's crazy. That's such a cool thing, because that's one of the things that I feel like you guys as artists, it's so cool that it's like a community in LA on its own. And you start to meet all these people who have worked together and it's like, oh, you worked with John Bellion too or whatever. And you're like, oh, you just meet someone, right? At something like this and And you you hit it off and all of a sudden you want it. Right. We always talk about it like intention is important when you're building a crew and working with people because you can smell through that really easily with people but we have nothing else like this is why we find each other because this is all we have society hasn't given us a chance to have the ivy league college experiences like even me passing up my one chance to have a full ride at a school and saying no to it it's like i can't until i'm rich i can't afford to go get like a ivy league education right now so it's like this is my life 
we do this because it's all we got and it keeps us out of trouble and it keeps us away from drugs and it keeps us away from becoming like our fathers. And when I talk with artists like this and we have these shows and after we're just like, I'm blown away, like how you guys bring this energy and they're like, this is what we do. This is all we got. You know what I mean? This is our, this is our money. You know, this is our wealth right. right here, what you saw. So I respect that. I respect anybody who's willing to give so much of themselves without having it pay off right away. Yeah, I think that's great. And like you keep saying, it's like a way of capsulating yourself yeah. and giving it to something bigger than yourself. And yeah. then also you made a comment of who knows in 10 or 25 years, some kid finds your music and says, I need to sample this. Yeah. I need to sample this. <laughs> That'd be crazy. So, Right. That's why I do what I'm doing here. And like, I love music and I just want to spread the knowledge of the good stuff that's out there because there's so much. And like you said, how's the radio going to play the same 30 songs when I just found 30 songs this week? real, dude. I'm like, come on, give them a shot, bro. Let them them eat this for (laughs) one day. Like, you know. Dude, everyone eats. Why are we we out here like? And I saw in one of the interviews you did, you said, I just wanted to comment on this quickly. You said you like that song Drugs by Upsall. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how you, is that how you say your name? I think so. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Oh, dude, I love that song. That song was so cool. I said it. That song is so good and real. You know what I mean? Like. I just came into the party for the drugs, drugs, drugs. The beat's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I said that because I think that was on one of the early episodes of Mom Spaghetti. And I said, let me know if you agree. I felt like it was the, you know, the Alessia Cara song here. Yes. Yes. I felt like this was the adult version or the like R rated version of that song. She's like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to talk to you. I just want to do drugs. Yes. (laughs) That's great, man. I was like, thanks for being real. I know. (laughs) She's probably one of my favorite, you know, girls coming up in that kind of darker pop thing, you know, something to say. And the tracks sound dope so i think she's gonna have a good year she's dope the signature question for mom spaghetti is say someone bought you a brand new vinyl record player and they give you 250 dollars in cash and they say (laughs) i know right (laughs) the 250 dollars is for the first five vinyls that you're gonna buy for your record player so with that money that they gave you, what are the first five vinyl records that you're gonna buy to start your collection? Oh, good Lord, you're doing me like this. Okay, so I thought about this for a long time because there's like, I'm, I'm torn, you know? But there's some records that changed my life. So I'm gonna start with those. One of the ones is kind of unexpected, Coldplay, A Rush of Blood Ooh. to the Head. Nice. It has a song, The Scientist, and it was my the first song I ever heard. I heard it at a church camp, and it inspired me to start writing my own songs. Seriously, around 15, I was like, I'd... Was that their first album? I think it was their second. They had an EP called Parachutes or something like that, and it was, I guess oh, it was that's the first right. full that's album. Right. Yeah. So Coldplay, Rush of Blood to the Head, that was one of my, the first records that I got into for a band. And I really felt like Chris Martin plays piano. I played piano. So I, I really loved the fact that he was like a singer who played piano and they used guitars. And any producer knows what I mean when I say Coldplay guitars. Give me some Coldplay guitars or like some Coldplay, you know, this. It's great because it's like a point of reference for me because it's something that I grew up with. Another band moving on from that. Um, no, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that one for last because I might switch it up on you. Because this is the okay. one that I'm not sure. So the other solo artists that really changed my life. 
And this was around the time the LimeWire was hot, bro. And you could just like search your favorite artist songs and find like demos and live performances. Hey, if my computer was a block, the block was hot with LimeWire. You know, they like ended in like college campuses and stuff, but like they were going at it. But it exposed me to so much, but I really got into John Mayer. So there's a record uh, of his that he released when I was, I think I was a junior in high school, maybe 2006, called Continuum. Yes, dude, that's in my top five. 2006, 2007, or 2008. Those years oh, were defined by that album, start to finish. Like Right? There are no skippable tracks on no that. Skippable tracks and all the live musicians that were on it. Oh man, Pino Palladino, J.J. Johnson, Steve Jordan, like, oh, just the legends that were playing on his music and his songwriting was amazing. And that was really special for me because he did pop music, you know, and then here he was doing what he loved, you know, but still writing great songs. So that's definitely on there. And then the first record that I ever got ever was that I had my hands on it was Nellyville by Nelly. Ooh. Yeah. Welcome to Netflix. I have that CD. Oh, come on, get a half a <laughs> And like, <laughs> oh man, Air Force Ones. And that's from St. Louis, you know, like. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was the first artist that was doing something for our city with the St. Lunatics and, and all that stuff. So hands out, I know every lyric on that. So like to hear that on vinyl would be, uh would be surreal. Yeah. That's not the one with Ride With Me, is it? I don't think so. I think that was the one after. Let me look. Because that was the one with, it had Pimp Juice. Oh my God, Pimp Juice, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it had Pimp Juice, Air Force One. It had Hot in Here. Dilemma. Dilemma. Hot in Here. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, and number one. That was oh a song. Oh my God, come on. It was perfect. Number one was like our pump up song. Yes. For every sport. And then uh, after that, I'd say that's three albums. So yep. we got John Mayer, Continuum, Coldplay, Rush of Blood to the Head. Nelly Nellyville, and then another hip hop record. And I'm not sure why I got this record so young or like heard the music so young, but Eminem Slim Shady LP. Yes. It changed me. Wow. I was like learning so many words, like bad words. (laughs) My bum is on your lips and like all these random things. Like, what is he talking about? Like, hi kids. Do you like violence? Why don't you see me stick my nail through my eyelids? And like, oh, he's even, hi, my name is. And that was when I got into Dre after that. I got super into yep. Dre from Eminem. This is how cool it was because Dre was going on and, and you had, obviously had Big and Snoop Pock and uh, Snoop Pock. Snoop Dogg. I know what you meant. Pock. Yeah. You had all of them, but it was great because Eminem was this white guy speaking to young people questionably at the right time or not, you know what I mean? But exposing us to Beats by Dre, not the company, but I'm saying like that was our – we were kids and that was like our first foray into this kind of type of hip hop that was like, it was so wild, it was so pop, but it was like loopy and repetitive and percussion based. And Well, some of the reviews for that album say that that, because obviously the name of the podcast is Mom's Spaghetti, if yeah. you didn't know I was an Eminem fan. Yes. But a lot of the reviews for that album say it was like graphic rap yeah. over comic book beats. Yes. That's Which crazy. I thought was like a really well-written way of putting it. It really is, dude. That's crazy. But that's the lyric in White America, too, where yeah. he says he took half of Dre's fan base, but he also doubled Dre's fan base. Yeah. Oh, He's like, crazy. I, I, didn't even I got all the white kids. Yeah. And they were instantly hooked because I looked like them. Yes. And then they went dude. and listened to Dre. That's crazy. It really was the effect that he had. He got us into a whole school of hip hop because he was a student, too. 
he loved hip hop. Oh yeah. So that record really changed my life. And, that, and I remember writing my first rhymes. I didn't even know I wanted to do hip hop eventually or, or have anything other than singing in my music. And I would look back. One of my biggest songs as Brandon Burnett was like half written when I was 15, trying to be a young Eminem. You know what I mean? I had this one song called State I'm In and I had this verse where I was spitting bars in it. And I was like, oh my, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it all coded who I was. And then, so the last one I had on here, this comes from my college days, and I'm torn because I'm looking at it right now and I want to say it, but I'm also like, there's another record that changed me a little bit harder from Kanye. You can hit us with the honorable mention. That's cool oh, too. God. Okay. All right. So probably the most creative band I think I've ever come across in my whole life. A lot of people will probably say the same thing, but as far as like saying whatever they want, not knowing what they're saying and being into it for some reason, it's Radiohead, it's super random, but there's this album that came out when I was dropping out of school called In Rainbows. It got me really into like, I was starting to produce more, get into the idea of I can't play guitar all the time. So let me bring in a guitarist and record them. And how does that work? And then let me program some synths, but then let me corroborate with a drummer now for the next part. And so I had realized when I had heard the Coldplay records and I had gotten into artists like John Mayer and they worked with live musicians and In Rainbows is a very like, it has this organism and this life feeling about it where it moves and it progresses and Tom York, he's singing everything, but the drummer's literally programming the beats with synthetic stuff and the guitarists are doing these crazy complex things and the bassist is coming in and then they break into strings in one part. It was like cinematic music with a freaking rock band. It just got me so inspired through the college period. So I guess my honorable mention then would be Kanye late registration because that was on repeat in, I think, let me just look at the year real quick. So I'm not fucking this up. that was 04. No, then it must have been, hold on, let me just look at the right one. It's the one that goes, that starts off and it's like, hey God, Mr. West, West. You know, it's graduation. So, okay, so I found both of these albums at the same time. I didn't get into late registration in 2005. I didn't get into it until I was going into college, like around the same time I fell in love with Radiohead and all this stuff. My college roommate was obsessed with Kanye. So all we would listen to was late registration and graduation. I don't even know. I couldn't. I, this is the mess of part why I didn't put it on the list, because I don't know if I could tell you each song on each one, because they're kind of like the same thought for me. You know, what I mean, it just reminds me of 18, 19 years old, going out in New York City for the first time, feeling like I was on one, you know, like, I, <laughs> you know, like this guy Midwest was narrating my lifestyle. And I remember one of the lyrics on one of the songs, like a girl from NYU. And I was like, oh, I'm at NYU. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I guess we'll put late registration since that's the first one as my honorable mention. That's the five, bro. We got, let's read them back again. We got John Mayer Continuum, Coldplay, Rush of Blood to the Head. We got Radiohead and Rainbows. We got Nellyville by Nelly. We got Eminem, Slim Shady LP. Eminate, that's a great top five. Yes. I thought about it for you, man. I thought I was like, if I come at him with some like, you know what? I really love that Backstreet Boys record, you know, Millennium. <laughs> Those I'd have been like, sisters. dude, why, why'd you go away from pop? No, because my sister is the reason why I know pop music. She was mm -hmm. obsessed with NSYNC, Britney Spears. She was obsessed with JT's solo project and, you know, all the inversions of the boy band, girl bands, Destiny's Child, Aaliyah. She really exposed me to everything that was like popping. But then I just got into my own stuff. You know, I found the things that I liked. Like I said, there's a reasons why I chose those albums because they really inspired the music that I make. 
John Mayer was like bold enough to do his roots that he loved, but with great musicians. And Coldplay was doing piano based songs, but with live musicians and crazy guitars and anthemic reverbs. And Radiohead was being movie and cinematic and like a film score. And Nelly was voice of the streets and Eminem was like voice of the hood. You know what I mean? It was great. It was the stuff that literally when I make my music now, it's not like I try and emulate any of that, but the soundscapes that I gravitate toward are often those soundscapes on that, on those records, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I love the question is to narrow it down to five. Yeah. I feel like gives the listeners such a good understanding of who you are as an artist. And I feel like the coolest feeling that I know the way Bill Simmons talks to basketball players is like me talking to these artists and you, right? And I feel like the coolest thing for me or for any of my listeners is to listen to you, an artist that we listen to and look up to and want to succeed and hear you say continuum. And I'm like (laughs) blown away in my chair. I'm like, dude, that's in my top five too. And then you come out with Slim Shady LP and I'm like, we listen to the same thing. (laughs) That's awesome. That just shows the power of music and how it can connect people. You know what I mean? It's so like the fact that you can, that you like my music and those two are in our top fives is like that's the beauty and that's also why i like being new with the progressive thing i just want to touch on this the progressive is such a great term i respect the music that i grew up on and i think that's important with any young person getting into music is study and i think wu-tang said this in their documentary it's like study the artists that your favorite artists loved if you really want to know what they were inspired by, listen to what they listened to, you know what I mean? And then and the chain keeps going further and further back of how we inspire each other. And that's that's such a beautiful thing, man. So I appreciate the time with talking to me about this and, and giving me a chance to like share my story. This is, this is dope. Yeah, absolutely. There's one more thing I need okay. from you. Yeah. I just need you to uh, help me sign off for the podcast. Yep. Just say, this is Emanate. Thanks for listening to the Mom Spaghetti Podcast. Tell your friends because everyone eats. All right. So whenever you're ready, you hit me with Yo, it. What's good, everybody? This is Emanate. You're listening to Mom Skip. Run it back. Run it back. <laughs> Yo, what's Take up, two. everybody? This is Emanate, and you are listening to Mom's Spaghetti Podcast, where everybody eats. Hey. Thanks for tuning in, fans of Mom Spaghetti and Emanate alike. New episodes of Mom Spaghetti drop every Thursday, so I'll be back then. As for Emanate, we'll keep our eyes and ears open for more singles and EPs to get us through the rest of 2019. Until then, we'll be playing the Emanate EP all summer long. I'm Keith Cohen, your host of the Mom Spaghetti Podcast. One more huge shout out and thank you to Emanate, and of course to you, the listeners. Yeah.